0: The trend. Tracing, tracing the, trend. Tracing trend. Tracing the trend tracing
1: the trend. tracing the trend welcome to Tong Tracing the Trends back for our second series. I'm Stefan Harvey and I'm joined by our new co-host Rebecca Miller.
2: Hello everyone I will be joining Stefan as we dive into some of the cultural trends that are emerging in China today. So Stefan, today we are going to be talking about queer communities and alternative cultures. Now I remember when I lived in Shanghai back, well, some years ago, there was over 21 gay bars, but I'm assuming the scene has somewhat developed now.
1: Uh, Sadly, I'm not sure of the exact number today, but I imagine with current social and government trends, they're opening and closing all the time. But today we're here to talk about a more recent phenomenon in the Chinese queer scene, and that's ballroom culture. Ballroom culture first emerged in the USA in the 1920s with a drag scene dominated by gay white men. And feeling excluded in a racist scene, queer people of colour found their own spaces in which to express themselves and establish their own underground ballroom culture in the
2: 1960s. And then it turned into a space for queer people of colour to express gender and sexual identities. And within this, they also developed houses where young people were taken under the wing of older guardians from the community. The houses served as almost adopted families for young people who often were not accepted by their biological families and society at large. Different houses competed against each other, contributing to a collaborative but also quite competitive ballroom scene
1: exactly and over the decades this culture has been exported to other queer communities across the world this has created a sense of solidarity and shared passion which allows people to walk ballrooms in different categories exploring and expressing their identities as well as showing off their dance skills through the genre of voguing which was born out of the ballroom scene but gained global recognition in 1990 when Madonna released a famous track aptly named Vogue.
2: Oh, that makes sense. And fast forward to 2014 and a ballroom veteran from the famous house of Milan, Irena Bashouk, fled her home country of Ukraine during domestic trouble and arrived in China. By 2016, she was teaching regular voguing classes, and something of a scene began to emerge.
1: And today, we're very lucky to have input from one of Arena's earliest collaborators, Badson who helped to found Shanghai's first ballroom house, the house of Kawakubo, who we'll speak a little bit more about later. We spoke to Badzer in Chinese and have some English translations for you, and you'll get to hear what he has to say about his experiences throughout the episode. But joining us live is a good friend of Badzer's and another member of the ballroom scene in Shanghai, Hal. Hey Hal, thanks so much for joining us. It'd be great if you could introduce yourself and tell us a bit more about your background in ballroom.
3: Yeah, no problem. Okay, hi guys. My name is Hal. I'm a fashion designer. I'm walking Shanghai right now. And uh, I think I've been joining the ballroom scene for like two to three years. Started from the very beginning of a Chinese ballroom scene and I kind of participated with my friends. It's not been going like very huge and grand in uh, Europe or in America, but it definitely has some uh, like once or twice or three times a year in Shanghai and in many other cities. And it's kind of fun.
2: Great. And could you tell us just a little bit about how you discovered it?
3: Yeah, I'm like uh, all the other kids in China, first getting into the scene through drag queens. I've been watching drag race for a lot of years, like six or seven years. And I kind of liked it. And I get to know more about the subculture of the drag community. Then I get into the ballroom community. And then I start watching The uh, ballroom, um, I think, throwbacks on YouTube. There are a few uh, channels on that, and I kind of get used to it. Then, I think two years ago, I found out that there is actually a vogueing family in China, and it's called the House of Kawakubo, and they are starting to do some ballrooms here, and then I kind of just go there with my friends. The ballroom scene began to
0: develop around 2016. That's when our teacher Arena came to China. She's Ukrainian and was part of the House of Milan. She was fleeing domestic troubles and came to Shanghai, where she started teaching basic voguing classes. At that time I was in Yunnan and went to Shanghai especially to attend her class. That's when I got to know the people who would become members of the House of Kawakubo.
2: Could you tell us a little bit about the first moment you walked into a ballroom and how you felt when you arrived there and what did it look like?
3: Yeah, the first ballroom I've ever participated is called the Doll Bowl. Like the theme is about dolls. It's in a very small and underground clubs which is kind of dark. The environment was not very good but there are crowded like so many people were there and um, a lot of drag queens. You know, there are drag queens from Shanghai that I've already known, but there are other drag queens from other cities. And there are just like normal people you can just see from the street. They are interested in this kind of environment and events and they join us and it was just so crowded and the line is crazy because the club was quite small. But the runway is also kind of small and then everyone is surrounded the runway. You know, a lot of people get dressed up like different kind of dolls and they walk the ways and they perform and there are actually um, a few uh, voguing categories in that ballroom and there are hand performing and there are new ways old ways and it's just very new because i only seen these kind of performances through the internet but that was the first time i actually saw it happen in real life it was just a very refreshing and very excited
0: In December 2017, Hong Kong held its first ever ball, called the Flower Ball. A small group of us went and took part. It was my first ever ball, and I walked the runway in Vogue Femme categories. I felt like, wow, the whole atmosphere was so free, so many talented and stunning people. People from Macau, Taiwan, the Philippines, etc. all took part. It really opened my eyes to what was out there. There was all kind of expression and minimal male gaze. People could have their body on display, not wear a lot and feel comfortable about it. And everyone would be applauding them.
1: When was the first time you walked the ball and what did you do? What did you make for yourself? What was the
3: category? The first time I walked the ball was the ball right after this one this doll ball. And I think it was in 2019. The theme was golden age. It was like a 90s vibe. You should wear clothes and you should dress yourself up. Took inspirations from the 90s fashion and movies and stuff. That was the first time I walked the ball because they have a category that is runway. Let me show you the picture. Okay. This was me. Awesome. I was wearing a suit. And I was kind of doing this makeup that are kind of like uh, broken. I was hit by someone. Okay. And I made oh, these wow. chains and stuff.
2: So for our listeners who can't see this wonderful picture we're looking at, right? Hal has essentially transformed his face with, I mean, the makeup looks like it's something out of a film. It's incredible. And there's chains all over his face. He looks like he's been very badly beaten. Um... <laughs> I don't understand what the relevance of the beating is to the 90s, but (laughs) perhaps you could explain
3: that. (laughs) Well, the inspiration was actually from the 90s um, McQueen's runway shows, like the menswear, that are quite dedicated and elegant, but also kind of sleeky and broken, Mm. you know, this struggling. Because I was trying to express myself like someone who is trying to fight with the reality and with other people or other stuff that kind of, they are hurting me, hurting myself from being the real me. Sure. But I just leave the scars on my face, but I dress up very beautiful and um, high-end suit and accessories to show that even though I have the scars on my face, but I'm still a very strong person through the garments, through the clothes I'm wearing.
1: Yeah, that really shines through. And, and then also for the listeners as well, Hal's created like a ring of chains around his head and then there are ones hanging down vertically across his face. Yeah. I guess it kind of like suggests an idea of being trapped or you can break out of somewhere.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that was the first time I walked the runway the category, you know, there are two kind of runways. There are European style and American style. The European style is kind of like a more of a feminine size of the runway, but the American runway is more like a masculine and macho style of the runway. And I was walking the American style, like walking like a very macho and masculine guy. Yeah. And I was doing that on the runway. I was really nervous when I first stepped on the stage, but then I hear the crowd screaming and shouting, and they are yelling my name, and then I feel just so liberated and so, just so happy.
0: I've always felt relatively sure about my gender identity. I know that I'm a cis gay man, I'm not trans, so I didn't go through much of a process in terms of exploring my gender identity. I also knew I was gay from a young age, I had my first romance in middle school and came out in high school to my parents, to people close to me. But I still went through a process of learning how to express myself as freely as possible, of not needing to be restricted or needing to submit to certain ideas. This was quite a long process of self-affirmation which ballroom helped with. In our house, we all supported each other, no matter your gender expression, what you wore, your attitude. Everything was okay. Tracing the Trend
2: Obviously, you'd watch Drag Race and you'd seen a lot of Western drag queens and people doing ballroom. How did you feel about seeing Chinese people doing that?
3: I don't really see much difference, you know, between the Chinese ballrooms scene and Chinese drag scenes from the Europeans and the American ways. I think it's all started from um, take inspirations from the original, so there are kind of the same, and they're doing the same kind of makeup and garments and stuff. So that's like the f- before, like one or two years ago. So I'd feel kind of familiar. It's just like what I saw from the drag race. Of course, it's not as grand as that because you know we are only started the drag queens in China, and maybe they don't have enough budget or they don't have enough time to do that. But it's very um, excited to see these kind of things happening.
1: So how did it begin to change? Did things seem more particular to? What was going on in queer communities in China? Did it feel more local? Like I'm actually thinking about the video I've seen of you where you go on stage dressed up as basically the demolition site with all the scaffolding. And it's amazing for any listeners how basically walks on as a whole set of scaffolding with the character for demolition on his back and stuff. I thought that was like a really particular thing to China in the way that, like in the UK here, we might watch Drag Race UK and then sometimes a category will be very particular to the UK and it's not something you'd see on Drag Race US. So how have things developed like that since?
3: Yeah, that's a very interesting point because, you know, from the first one or two um, ballrooms, the scene was like doll ball, club kids and '90s, but then things started to change. I think because after the doll ball, the scene is Y2K style. Y2K style, maybe you guys don't know, has been a very popular style in China recent years. And people dress up like those um, very, you know, they use those plastic accessories and very colorful garments, like a subculture happening in China, especially in Shanghai. And they using that scene as the next ballroom scene. And then you can see so many different kind of styles from the ballrooms and from before and the ballrooms from uh, other countries in Europe and America. And that's the time then I realized, oh, things are starting to be changed and starting to get more local. And then after that, the next scene was Shanghai Baby. And you can tell by the name is very local style. You know, you have to get inspirations from the Shanghai culture. Because Vogue in Shanghai and House of Kawakubo Kubo, they're the people who hold this kind of events. They are trying to bring the local culture into the ballroom scene. I think they did a very great job in choosing these kind of scenes. Instead of just uh, using uh, random topics or just copying scenes from Europe or America, they try to bring more local culture in it. I think they did a great job in that.
2: That's really interesting. And I think particularly China is such a place with such localized communities, particularly Shanghai. I lived in Shanghai for a very long time and such a strong sense of identity. I'd love to know about some of the ways that you played on Shanghainese culture in terms of categories.
3: Yeah. In that Shanghai Baby Ball, I was working just like Stephen just described. You know, people have different ideas on the Shanghai culture, they have different experience with Shanghai culture. And I have been living in Shanghai for eight years, I think. So I've lived here for quite a long time. And Shanghai is everywhere is under construction and the buildings are kind of <sighs> yeah. getting yeah. reconstructed. Actually, it's quite annoying as a people living in Shanghai because you hear the loud noise every day But then I realized, oh, that's just a side of Shanghai that you actually experience every single day. Why don't I just bring that into the ballroom, onto the runway?
2: It's interesting also because the idea that you're taking something that's a real part of people's lives. And it's so relatable. Anyone, you know, I lived in Shanghai a few years ago, as did Stefan. And the fact that they can see that and really appreciate the annoyance, but also the kind of fun in it as well. I think it's really powerful. And it speaks volumes for ballroom as an art in that it can be translated to so many different cultures, but also represents so many different perspectives and opinions. So I think that's great. And it's interesting that you say that the scene has actually made a shift from being quite kind of generic and pretty and how stylish can we look and to actually pushing boundaries in terms of making a statement. My
0: dad is very patriarchal and rigid in his ideas of gender norms. He doesn't like effeminate behaviour. When I was younger and showed any signs of femininity, he would respond in a stern or disgusted way, which made me nervous or scared of how he'd react. But now if I'm wearing something pretty, something nice, extravagant, and he shows any kind of disapproval, I can sternly say to him, you know what, that's your problem. I've got no problem. I'm fine. You're just unable to accept who I am. If you find it awkward or uncomfortable, that's something you need to deal with.
2: What do you think the ballroom scene has done for the queer community?
3: Um, I think it definitely brings much more public people from a normal life and public attention to the queer scene because you know there are gay clubs and stuff happening in shanghai and other cities because shanghai is a very big international city and they don't think it's a very strange things because I think people, even though the old ladies and the old guys, they walk on the street, they they don't feel like it's a very strange thing when you wear something unique and different on the street or you are being gay, going to the gay clubs. But I think the ballroom definitely bring the more covered part of the queer community. Like they bring that to the public side, like uh, transgendered people and um, drag queens and people that are more not being seen before to the public vision. From my experience, when I walk on the Shanghai Baby Balls, they have a category that is, I don't quite remember, I don't know if it's runway or face category. There are beautiful transgendered female, and they are just as beautiful as any other females, and they are just so confident, and they're just showing their face, and showing their garments, showing their body. And there are also people from different kind of size, They have different body types, and they're just very confidently showing themselves and shining on the stage. And I think that is what the ballroom is bringing more to the public side. Like the things that usually people don't see from their normal lives, I think. I've
0: got a student here in Beijing. They're still high school age, but are studying for a technical course, not the university exams. So their prospects aren't great. But they love dancing, so they're really capable when it comes to voguing. They feel their educational environment is quite misogynistic, and nobody's able to express any kind of queerness, that sexual minorities have no visibility, so they've had a difficult time growing up. They're not able to embrace the idea of realness that we've had in ballroom, had to bottle things up and hide who they really are. I remember when they first came to my class, they were really abrasive and hard on themselves. They felt like there was a lot of their identity that they had to protect. But as they became friends with people in the group, they experienced a lot of support, a lot of love, which helped them with their self-expression. They eventually tried out things like drag, lip-sync, and their voguing got better and better. Mutual support from the group was a really important part in their development. They knew that they were loved and that people cared about them. I remember how they became such a warmer, even cuter person, able to empathise with and care for other people. I know another drag queen who received a lot of abuse over their gender expression in high school. So they dropped out and began live streaming on Douyin, where they'd do drag online and would also perform drag at nightclubs. They're now a really big drag queen in China, have taken part in a lot of balls, won a lot of prizes, and now earns quite good money to support themselves. Another great thing is that they began to think over all these questions related to gender discrimination, inequality, etc., and I encourage them to learn more about feminism and queer theory so that they might learn more about society. I know they're a really warm person who helps other people in the community. They're still not even 20 years old, but I know they're really gifted and will go on to be an important part of the community.
1: What do you think the interaction is between this growing scene? People are getting more interested in ballroom, more people are taking part, and it really promotes body positivity and gender fluidity. But at the same time, it feels like a lot of parts of Chinese society are becoming more conservative
3: about gender and sexuality. You know, people that are more related to queer community and to this kind of field are getting more and more positive and getting more and more knowledge. And getting more and more educated in this kind of situation. But people from other industry or from other fields, they still haven't got a chance to um, learn more stuff. So I think that's kind of upsetting people.
1: Sure. So like the people who are gaining education from it are very limited and in very different parts of society.
3: Yeah. And those people, they are already in the scene. Sometimes I feel like it's always the same group of people that are having fun and celebrating this stuff, but people from the outside world, they don't really know what's happening right now.
0: I think it's hard to say whether changes in social attitudes and changes in queer movements are a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the state of affairs. Borum is becoming more prominent in China, but it's also facing more challenges. The government wants to maintain social stability and I think they've taken LGBTQ groups as a target in light of discussions around gender equality and ideas that they claim come from the West. A lot of gender groups or organisations that have received financial support from international NGOs are increasingly viewed as suspicious. The thing is, with gender equality, equality over rights, etc., you could say that Marxism and socialism are just trying to reach the same goal via a different path. There's also a parallel of conflicts at the top and at the grassroots. There are plenty of clashes of ideas online too, especially between women who are very socially conscious and more conservative men who are very antagonistic.
1: How much do people in your life know about what you do in ballroom? Is it just something you only share and enjoy with other queer friends or do you have any other friends or family who know about what you do?
3: Yeah, sure. Actually, um, I just came out to my mom last year. Okay. I kind of trying to bring more the other side of my life to my mom. Mm -hmm. Actually, when I was in the Shanghai Baby Ball, I was taking pictures and videos to show my mom. And she also showed those pictures and videos to her friends. And I just really liked it that my mom finally get to know more about my life. Yeah. After I came out to her. When it comes to the queer community and when it comes to the ballroom scene, I try my best to educate my friends that they don't know about it. There was like a short video clip of people doing dip, like the death drops from uh, the voguing dance and they're kind of doing a short clip of it and it went viral here in Chinese social media. I saw people post this video clip on uh, their uh, Weixin and he was saying, oh, what is this? This looks so fun. What is, is like a fashion show or something? I just told him it was actually called ballroom and this kind of dance is called voguing, what they're doing. And I sent him some links so he could get to know more about ballroom and voguing.
2: It seems to me that ballroom is actually a really good way of introducing the queer scene and gender fluidity to maybe people who wouldn't necessarily encounter it in another way. Uh, Definitely in the UK, I think RuPaul's Drag Race has done great work even within our communities in terms of introducing the notion of drag and this different arm of society that people don't get exposed to a lot of the time. Do you think there may be a day where we see something similar on TV in China? Maybe that's a hope, but is it something you might see?
3: Uh, Definitely, I hope something like that would happen in China, but I'm not sure if it would happen in recent years. Because just like Stefan said earlier, the other side of Chinese society are kind of restraining and even more conservative on these kind of uh, different kind of genders and different kind of sexuality and stuff. So I don't know if it's going to happen. I
0: think a lot of people have realised that queer traits are being suppressed and that we need avenues for expression, both queer people and women. So in Ballroom, we really value the voices of cis women. Ballroom serves a male gaze to the minimum. It's not a perfect space, but it's a big improvement. In light of these challenges, various queer organisations are being suppressed. Fortunately, Ballroom is relatively small at the moment. And I think that all we can do is continue to create a sense of community within our houses and within our scene. The best that we can do is teach our children to realize their self-expression to the fullest and pass down the idea of realness that is so integral to ballroom and queer
3: culture. But what is happening right now is there is a group of drag queens in China. They are doing the national tour in all different kinds of clubs in China. And it just only started recent weeks, I think. And it was really fun because they're all very new to the scene. Some of them maybe only did drags for maybe a year or two. And now they are doing the tour in different clubs in China and in so many cities. And I think that's pretty cool, even though we don't get the chance to show it on TV or on like movies, but we get to see them from clubs. And if you are interested, you have a way to get to know more about it. So that's a very bright side of our queer community they went to uh, I think maybe more than 10 cities there are Xi'an, Xiamen, um, different part of China very like very big scale and uh, that's great yeah their tour will definitely bring more queer related culture to those cities and people from there they will get to know more about the scene.
1: Amazing. Thanks so much for joining us, Hal. It's been really interesting listening to your experiences and your views. And I hope you've had a great time joining us. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's it's really been super enlightening and really excited to see where the scene can go. And thank you for all of your insights.
3: No problem. The pleasure is all mine.
2: So, Stefan, what did you think of today's conversation with Hal and what we heard from Badzer?
3: I thought it
1: was really special and exciting hearing two individual perspectives rather than talking about the whole scene. I think it was really special to hear how Hal's passion for fashion design complemented his exploration and experience of the ballroom scene and it's a great personal story that I'm sure can be found in various cities all over the world. But it really helps localize and bring to life one person's experience and i think it speaks to how people will carry on passing down their excitement for ballroom and the values it represents in terms of freedom of expression be it gender sexuality or whatever else how about you
2: i couldn't agree more and i think also from but being someone who spent a lot of time within gay clubs and bars within, you know, maybe five, ten years ago in Shanghai, and to hear how much that's developed. But more excitingly, their personal stories. Particularly when Hal was talking about how his mum kind of not only celebrated his ballroom and, and Hal's self-expression, but she shared it with her friends as well. And that's a really exciting development to see. I can't remember hearing any stories like that five, ten years ago. So it speaks volumes to Ballroom as an art, how it's a great way of bringing people together, but also how China is developing and the shifts that we're seeing as a result of Ballroom. I'm really excited to hear how this tour of the drag queens group going around various cities. I think it's 10 cities, isn't it? Didn't he say? To see how that goes and and the impacts that has as as the movement kind of grows from strength to strength.
1: Yeah, because I think, you know, as Hal pointed out, he being lucky enough to share his experiences and passions with his mum is still something of a minority case, but given the way the scene's growing, hopefully that acceptance will grow and more people will be able to feel comfortable expressing themselves the way they want.
2: Great. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. I've been Rebecca Miller, and this is my co host, Stefan Harvey. We look forward to speaking to you soon with some more emerging trends from China.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Tracing the trend. Tracing the trend. Tracing the trend. Tracing the trend. trend.